Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. We'll get there. <laughs> Let's stand to our feet. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer tonight. Amen. Let's talk to the Lord for a little bit. Let's worship the Lord for a little bit. Let's allow God to have his way. Amen. I pray we don't go through the motions tonight. Pray that we will allow God to have his way in us tonight and let him direct us and we give him full access and give our attention fully to him. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're thankful this evening for one more time being able to come in the house of the Lord. We're gathered together, Lord, in your name. Lord, look into you, the author and finisher of our faith. We humble ourselves before you tonight and we submit to your authority. For Lord, the only th authority that exists is the authority of God. For no man can have any authority except you give it. Oh God, tonight we ask that you will search our hearts and minds, Lord. We pray that you will root out of us every thought and every work of ungodliness, Lord God. Will you purify us? consecrate us, sanctify us, purge us, and move upon us, Lord God, in a way that, Lord Jesus, we can be free in you tonight, Lord God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower us. The Holy Spirit will overshadow us. The, old, the Holy Spirit, Lord God, will help us tonight. Jesus, will you have your way in the midst of this congregation tonight, Lord God. We desire for the supernatural power of God to be revealed and demonstrated in us and in the midst of us. We ask, Almighty God, that you help us tonight, Lord God. Lord, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, Almighty God. We pray that you will, O God, loose every stronghold that have, O oh God, bound us, Lord God. We pray that you will break every invisible chain, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that you'll remove every thought that have held us in captivity in our mind, Lord God. We, we ask, Almighty God, that you will reveal to us, Lord God, your intent and your purpose, Lord God, for us individually and for us collectively, Lord. We ask tonight, Lord God, that this will not just be another Thursday night Bible study, but we need you, Lord God, to move in this place, to step in to the midst of us, Lord God, and do what only you can do. Oh, God, we are desperately in need of the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, to take charge, Lord God, and to, oh, God, be manifested, almighty God. We are the people of the name and the people of the faith and the people, Lord God, that are moved by the Spirit of God, that are led by the Spirit of God. And I pray tonight, Lord, that your Spirit will lead us, that your Spirit will have preeminence over us and in us. Oh God, have your way tonight for we pray that not our will prevail, but the will of God will prevail in our heart, in our thought, in the midst of the congregation tonight. We want the will of God to prevail. Oh God, will you move upon us, Lord God, that the will of God will prevail.
prevail in this house tonight, Lord God. Lord, allow us to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. For every one of us needs to hear from heaven. Every one of us needs to hear the voice of God. Will you speak, Lord God, to us individually and collectively? Will you speak to us, O great God, that none will be able to leave without saying the Lord has spoken to me? The Lord has revealed something to me. The Lord has helped me tonight, Almighty God. And Lord, as you speak to us, as you help us, now, Lord, I pray that we will be so convinced, we will be so convicted, we will be so empowered that we will do what you have said to us to do, what you have placed in our heart to do, that we will do it, Lord, and not just hear, and not let it be dormant, but we will do it, Lord, for we've come, Lord God, tonight to hear the word of God, to be transformed by your power, and to praise you, and to worship you, and to magnify your name, Jesus, have your way in this house, Jesus, will you move up on us in a special way. Jesus, will you pour out your spirit? Jesus, will you stir up the gift that's inside of us? Oh God, we magnify your name. We praise your name. There is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. There is none like you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. We bless your name. Come on, let's clap our hands unto the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we bless your name. 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 Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. How great is our God. How great is our God. For he is great and greatly to be praised. How great is our God, how great is our God, how great is our God. Lord, we worship you for you are great and mighty. We worship you because you deserve all the praise and all the worship. Lord, we bow down before you, Lord God, because we are in awe of who you are. Oh, there is none like you, Lord God. You still, Lord God, are the almighty in our mind and our heart, Lord God. In everything, Lord God, you are God almighty, and we trust you, Lord God. Oh, God, we don't always understand, Lord God, what's going on. We don't always have the answers, Lord God, but we trust you, Lord God. We know you will lead us in the path of righteousness. We know you will keep us, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that you will make us victorious. And while we don't understand everything, and while we don't have the answers to everything, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. Oh, 
We trust you, Lord. We lean not to our own understanding, Lord, but we will acknowledge you in all of our ways because we trust you, Lord. Oh, God, have your way. Oh, God, have your way. Not our will, but thine will be done. Oh, God, we pray that the Holy Ghost will lead us tonight. The Holy Ghost will lead us tonight. The Holy Ghost will lead us tonight. The Holy Ghost will lead us tonight, Lord God. We need the move of your spirit in our life, Lord God, in our service tonight. We need the move of your spirit, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we need a move of your spirit, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Right out the gate, I'm going to challenge you to go to the Lord and ask the Lord this question or this question. Lord, am I one of or am I a hindrance to the move of your spirit in your church? That's between you and God, but I'm telling you what to ask him. Say, Lord, if I'm a hindrance to the move of your spirit, I don't know how I could be, or you know how you could be. But once you go to him and say, Lord, if I'm a hindrance to the spirit of God moving in our church, will you show me? And show me how am I a hindrance, and then help me to know what I need to do to no longer be a hindrance to the moving of your spirit in our church because I'm concerned that if we don't get a move of God in our church then people are going to fade away and people are going to just show up but be dead spiritually and we need a move of God in our service all the time because that's what's going to keep us alive that's what's going to help us when we come in here is the move of God's spirit and if we're not experiencing it then we need to say God am I a part of the problem I pray that all the time, and I know that I'm supposed to pray that as the pastor, but I think we need to all pray that prayer to say, am I a hindrance to the move of God in my church? And if I am, Lord, show me and help me to make the correction so I don't be a hindrance to the move of your spirit. I'm not saying anybody is. I'm just saying we all need to go to God about that. Hallelujah. Don't forget this Saturday we have our outreach. We're going to be doing community cleanup. We have asked for you to make donations if you can. And uh, we talked about uh, trash bags. I got trash bags. Um, we talked about gloves. I got gloves. Um, rakes and um, weed whacker. If you have one, I got to go look at my weed whacker. I promised that I would. Um, don't forget we said mask and water and... Um, and wipes and things like that. If you have to make a donation, if you can, please make a donation. And don't forget, next week we start our camp meeting services. And um, just a quick um, thought about that. 
um, we used to do camp years ago, and um, we had stopped doing camp as a district. Um, for those of you that don't know, within the United Pentecostal Church International, we are big on camp meetings. And so during the summertime, you know, people do, um, you know, Bible schools and they do camp meetings and we do things that, um, you know, we can get together as the family. And so we haven't had that in North Central Jersey District in a very long time. And we're trying to bring it back. But, of course, we have to bring it back, um, you know, incrementally because we can't just go to a campsite and have camp when, you know, nobody is prepared for that. So we said probably two years um, we'll do camp meeting services, which this year we will do and next year we will do. And we hope in 2024 we will be able to go to a camp and go away for three days, four days, whatever, and uh, have camp meeting. And camp is very good. Um, your kids kind of get to get go on vacation, so to speak. Um, they might think it's crazy, but they don't realize how much fun it is. Once they go, they'll realize that it's a whole lot of other young people and children that they can hook up with. They get to have their own thing going on, so they don't have to be with the adults all the time. And so they'll see that camp is very good. You get great preaching, great teaching. Um, you get practical things because that's what camp is all about. You get a whole week of just doing those things. So next week we kick off our camp meeting services. Next Thursday we will be at First Pentecostal up the road. Um, that camp meeting service will be um, our youth will um, lead that service. So all of our young people who want to be a part of that because it's our youth and because we just haven't, you know, worked up, work up to a full momentum of what, camp is all about we're still going to have bible study here brother henry will be teaching bible study next thursday so if you don't want to go to the youth service you can come right here so everybody should still be in church next thursday either you here or you down the street with the youth if you don't want to be with the youth then come on here you know brother henry's a great teacher come and let him teach you but we start next thursday um at um first pentecostal 3632 nottingham way down the road then um, Friday, we will be in Prospect Park, New Jersey, which is about an hour and 15 minutes. It's just a little bit above Patterson. And so we will be there. Brother Carlton Kuhn will be ministering Friday night. And then Saturday at 12 noon, we will be in Newark, New Jersey, at one of our um, new churches in the district. And um, Brother Kuhn will be ministering there as well. So we would like for you to make it to all three of our services for district camp services. If you cannot, then try to, you know, identify one or two that you know that, you know what, I must make an effort to get to that one or those two. Or, again, if you can do all three. So those are things that I think are very important. This Saturday at 930, we're going to meet here and then we will prepare and go out and we'll go into the community. If you can make that, please be a part of that. Somebody say amen. All right, you may be seated. We're going to get right into our study tonight, and um, this is Bible study. So if you love studying the Bible, you're going to enjoy tonight. If the Bible makes you sleepy and you get tired once you start reading, you're probably going to fall asleep tonight. So we'll see what will happen. But we've got a lot of scripture, a lot of word, because we're... I'm going to teach you something systematically about discipleship, something systematically about discipleship that will help you. And so if you're taking notes, take notes, um, listen to me carefully, 
whatever you need to do to make sure tonight's teaching will be a, a blessing to you. Let's do that. Amen. Good to see everybody. Uh, I'm glad you can be here tonight. And those that are joining us online, we welcome you and glad you can be a part of Bible study tonight. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69, the scripture says, Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse. Somebody say curse. Christians curse. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. For the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about called to discipleship. And we have talked about that discipleship happens after you have been converted. And so it is God's will that we're all saved, that we all are converted to become a Christian. But that's just the beginning of what God has in store for us. Ultimately, God is calling all of us to be disciples. And I believe, and I've said this before, the church as a whole doesn't want to embrace that word disciple because if we embrace it, then we know the, 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 the identity of a disciple is a little bit different or maybe a lot different than Christian. When you think Christian, you just think, I'm saved. When you think disciple, you think work. The disciples in the Bible. And so most people that are Christians do not like to embrace the position or the identity of a disciple because you know what that means if you have been living for God for any amount of time. But regardless of what we feel, and what we think, boy, if we ever get to that place where we understand it's not about what I feel and it's not what I think, but it's what the word says. I was telling somebody just now, I said, somehow I've been labeled for a long time, almost like I don't feel like everybody else feels. Like you all, I got different kind of feelings. For a long time, I feel that way. And people even voice that opinion sometimes. I take it in my mind as a compliment. But then I worry about the person that feels that way. Because as long as in your mind, 
I don't understand because I might feel a little bit differently from you. You can't move to the next level. But if you will come to the point of saying, he feels just like I feel. He just choose to do something different. He choose to do what the word says. Jesus felt just like we felt. The Bible says that. He felt just, you might think, well, he was God in the flesh. No, sure he was. But he felt just like we felt. He was tempted just like we were tempted. He was hungry just like we were hungry. Everything was the same, but he chose to be righteous. He chose to obey the word of God. So we got to get out of our mind that some people have different feelings. Oh, you know, you just a little bit different. You don't understand. And so tonight I want to give you a subtitle of discipleship is followship. Discipleship is followship. Mm -hmm. I didn't spell it wrong. That's exactly what I want to say. Followship. Mm -hmm. Some days it just seems like we cannot get it right. You ever had any of those days where you feel like every single thing I try to do, it just don't go right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Peter was having one of those days when we read in the text of him denying Jesus. He was having, as a matter of fact, he was having some of those days. Mm-hmm. Things was just unraveling all around him. Mm-hmm. But you see, the process of discipleship was ongoing for Peter. Remember, Jesus had referred to Peter as Satan. So he was having nothing can go right kind of days. Like, what in the world is going on? We read in Matthew, maybe a couple of weeks ago or even last week in Matthew 16, 22, it says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee, but he turned, he, Jesus, turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Now that messed with me too. I don't know if that messed with you, but that messed with me, because Really what's going on, Peter thought he was doing something good in demonstrating his love for his master. So in his mind, he's like, master, master, listen, nobody going to hurt you. You can't die. Listen, listen, I got you. Let me handle this. That made sense to Peter. But the bottom line was this. It was of man. It was man. That's how man thought. I'm not going to let anything happen to you, Lord. But God was trying to let us know something then. That sometimes you might think that how you think, how you feel, and what you're doing is what's right. But you got to stop and say, is this of man or is this of God? Because it can look real good and look like it's really right. But it still can be of man and not of God. 
They got to understand that. Got to understand that. Not long after Jesus had told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, or whatever he told him, but he called him Satan. Not long after that, guess what happened? I love how Jesus operates. Watch how Jesus operates. After that, you would think Peter would put his tail between his legs and just, oh, and sob and, you know, woe is me. That's what you would think. But after that, this is what happened. Jesus tapped Peter, James, and John on the shoulder and told them, follow me. They followed him up into a mountain. And they went to the mountaintop. And guess what? While at the mountaintop, Jesus prayed till he was transfigured. That's in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus prayed till he was transfigured and completely changed. Jesus' face had been brighter than the sun. His clothes had shined whiter than snow. And then Moses and Elijah came to the service on the summit and began talking with Jesus, which was amazing because they had both been gone centuries ago. Look at Matthew chapter 17, verse number one. It says, after six days, Jesus taken Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun and his remnant was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Love it. If thou wilt, let us make thee or make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Jesus rebuked him and called him Satan, but he didn't kick him to the curb. Again, we have to watch the ways of God. Because God rebuke us don't mean God don't love you. Because re God rebuke you, it doesn't mean God reject you. Good attribute to learn as a Christian because I have to correct you don't mean I don't love you. Because I have to correct you don't mean I don't love you. Because I got to tell you something you're doing wrong don't mean I don't love you. Because I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to have an attitude like Christ, a disposition of Christ. And so if we got to go to one another, we have to realize that if that person have the attributes of Christ, the disposition of Christ, then they're not saying it with animosity they're saying it because they love you and right away when we say something to anyone we need to make sure we include them to let them know 
I'm not excluding you. I'm not rejecting you. This is just something I had to tell you because that's what Jesus did, Peter. I didn't exclude you. I rebuked you and said, you're acting like Satan. But later on, I told you, come to the mountaintop with me. Peter was in the presence of God where even death and time stood still. Not long after Jesus referred him or referred to him as Satan. The same man he had followed for the last few years was clearly not just another man. Peter was standing inches away from the very God he worshipped. Before he had a chance to clear the cobwebs from his mind, Peter jumped to his feet and shouted, It's good for us to be here. Let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The scripture says he didn't even know what he was saying. We oftentimes want to think people know what they're saying. I've told you many, many times, one of the things that I like to do, and I have kind of built in my life now, and in in, in, in trying to still be better at it, is I don't care how blatant it looks that someone has done me wrong. I try to tell myself, they don't really know what they're doing. You're quiet. Because you all want to feel like they know what they're doing. Whether they do or they don't, I choose to take the side that they don't. Because let's be truthful. If they really knew Jesus and they believe that I'm a child of God, why would they want to do anything to hurt me? You, 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 you got to see that. So we like to say, well, they know what they're doing. How do they know what they're doing? Because they got to be out of their mind to deliberately do something to harm or go against a child of God. God says, vengeance belong to me and I will fight your battle. So anybody that's supposed to be a Christian and go after another Christian, forgive them because they don't know what they do. Because how can they know what they do when they know they got to pay for that? God going to whip you. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the piper. And sometimes we think because God is slow to bring discipline, oh, God is not seeing it or he's overlooking it. Oh, no. God cannot leave anything undone because he can't treat us differently. So because he might not be getting on you right now, doesn't mean he forgot it. Doesn't mean he's overlooking it. So somebody got to be out of their mind to deliberately come at you in a, in a negative way, trying to do something to you, and they know you're a Christian. I'm going to show you this as we go along. We think, we think because someone might be messing up that they're not good with God. So I can do whatever I want to do to them. Listen. We better get that thought out of our mind. We cannot think that that because someone is supposed to be a Christian, a disciple of Christ, and they're going through a hard time or a bad time, a backslidden time or whatever, that we think we can do whatever to them and it's acceptable because guess what? They aren't right right now. God still called them his child. So while you think that they're just the devil because look what they're doing, listen to me. God called Peter Satan. Did he abandon Peter? Ooh, that makes us uncomfortable. God called Peter Satan. He didn't abandon him. So for us, the way we like to operate, oh, 
said, Peter, I knew he wasn't right. That joker, he was always running his mouth, first to say everything like he knew everything. Wouldn't give anybody else a word in edgewise. Mm-hmm. He got rebuked by Jesus the other day. Jesus called him Satan. So guess what? He ain't in no good place right now. And so we treat him like he ain't in no good place right now. We can say whatever we want. We can do whatever we want to him because he ain't right. That's not how God look at us. God don't look at you like that. God don't look at us like that. We can be off and be wrong and God still call us his son. He still call us his daughter. And so if anyone comes at us while we're a daughter of Christ or a, child, or a son of Christ, he is coming at them too. He's going he's gonna to straighten things out. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Peter didn't know what he was saying when he says let's build three tabernacles. His motives seemed good, but he had just suggested idolatry. That was not one of Peter's finest moments. And as we know, Peter was having some really bad moments. He was having some bad moments. And we got to get that tonight, that as disciples of Christ, we're going to have some bad moments. We're going to do some things that is ungodly. Peter cussed. He lied. He denied his Savior. But God never said, oh, you ain't my my son no more. God didn't say that to him. Fast forward to what we read in Matthew 26, the portion of scripture we just read. And you will find Simon Peter standing in a cold courtyard by a warm fire when a girl who could do him no harm (laughs) looked at him and said, you are one of his, aren't you? And due to fear, Peter lost his bravado. He whimpered. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's one of my lines. What you talking about? Whether I know or I don't know, I'm asking. That looks like denial. It sounds like denial. But it can't be denial, can it? Why can't it be denial? Because Peter had just promised the Lord he would never deny him. Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Peter had told God right before he denied him, you crazy. I'm not denying you, master. You my man. I will never deny you. Again, I'm trying to let you see what it's all about, how we make mistakes and how We're going to go through some bad times as disciples. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it sure looks like Peter did deny the Lord, even though he made this big promise. Someone spoke up. Wait a minute. You are one of his. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You are from Galilee, just like him. You even have an accent just like him. And Peter was so upset, he cursed. I don't know who he is. I've never met that man. At that moment, the rooster crowed. Jesus' eyes locked with Peter's, and Peter remembered what Jesus had said as the Roman took Jesus away wherever they were taking him. Peter remembered he had said, I would never deny you. But he did. 
And when Peter realized it, the scripture said he went out and wept bitterly. Why did Simon Peter deny the Lord? Why did he deny the Lord? Because here's something. Jesus had said to his disciples in Matthew 16 and 25, he did say this to them. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Peter knew to be a disciple of Jesus, I'm going to lose my life. So why when the time came and he felt like his life was threatened, Peter, we read his word now. He wrote scriptures and we read it. Why would Peter deny Christ? Interesting, right? Put yourself in Peter's sandals. What do you think? Why do you think Peter denied Christ? Peter, he had just walked away from the one he was walking with for three years. And worse than desertion, he denied ever knowing Jesus. For the last three years, he hung every hope on Jesus, the Messiah. But the Romans just hung him on the cross. We do not know for sure, but it's possible Peter still watched that crucifixion while he was in the crowd. Mm -hmm. It is safe to say Peter failed often in his life as a disciple. Yes. But don't we all. You have been hearing me telling you for the longest. Can we get to the place? Every time I tell you this, I'm just trying to get you to disarm yourself and that you don't worry about what people think about you so much. Can we get to the place where we realize all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Can we get ourselves to a place where we realize we're all going to have some bad days, some bad weeks, some bad months, but that doesn't mean we're not a child of God anymore? Can we just get to that place and understand that that's a part of our walk in Christ and realize that that doesn't mean that's where we're going to be forever, but those things happen. As opposed to look at people and starting to have thoughts in your mind that's ungodly about them. We promise, this is us now, we promise to start praying every day, but we only pray on Saturday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We promise to share our faith with everyone we meet, but we only share recipes and scores of the games rather than sharing our faith. We make high, lofty promises on a, a, on a Sunday morning service in the sanctuary. Spirit of God move on our heart and we make these high, lofty promises but have a hard time keeping them when we leave the church house. And so Peter did what he knew how to do after he failed. Whenever <laughs> police does this to criminals, Whenever you come out of jail, they give you a little bit of time. And if any crime is committed like ones you have committed in the past, they come looking for you. Because in their mind, you will always go back to the familiar. We normally go back to the familiar. And we have to be careful with that. 
that what God delivered us from, we don't go back to the familiar. We got to fight and scrap and claw, meaning pray and fast and call on the name of the Lord to not go back to the familiar because the familiar is where God had called you from before. Don't go back to that. And so what Peter did after he wept, he denied Christ, he walked away weeping. Guess what he did? Him and his buddies went fishing. As a matter of fact, we would probably say Peter backslid. That's what we call backsliding. One minute you're walking with Jesus, next minute we can't even read about you praying. You in a fishing boat. Almost like you, in a, you, you ain't even trying to go to the house of prayer. You in a fishing boat. He backslid. You can see that in John chapter 21. Matthew didn't record this. John did. And so John recorded here in John 21, verse 1, it says, after these things, talking about after he denied Christ and all of this stuff, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed himself, there were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee and the son of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, we also go with thee. When people backslide, they take other people with them. <laughs> they went forth and entered into a ship immediately and... That night, they caught nothing. When you backslide, whatever you do won't profit you nothing. Because your profit only comes through the Lord. And when you're working and doing things outside of God, you will just keep spinning your wheels. You will think that, you know, you're gaining something when you're not. I shouldn't get into this, but it's just something that I just need to, it just came to my mind. I think it's, it's, it's relevant that we say we know that this known preacher had said something about that um, you're not r required to pay tithes. I don't need to get in all of that because I think a lot of people have done a good job trying to correct that because it's, it's, it's incorrect teaching. But sometimes I don't even go to the scripture. Here is, here, here is what I do sometimes. What does it hurt for me to give tithes? I don't. I just sometimes I'm like holding my head like, what are we looking for? Because I learned this from from Brother Readout. I, 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 I pre if I haven't learned anything from him, this is very important. Motives is everything. Motive is everything. It's not about what you do. It's the motive by which you do it. So for you to ever get to the place to, to go and start saying that stuff, you better check yourself and say, is this something I need to be telling people? Because the bottom line is, if they decide they want to give a tenth of what they earn every week, how does that hurt them? How does that, how does that curse them? How does God, how is God displeased with them? Sometimes it's not even about the word and you got to see the devil working at times because sometimes it's not even about it's just it's just if you live in for God and you understand who God is, you'll come to a place and realize that is that's not making sense. When you have the Holy Ghost, there are times 
that things get said, and right away, the scripture calls it, you get quickened by the Holy Ghost. It's not legit or legit. That's why we had the Holy Ghost, because things will get said, things will get done, and the Holy Ghost will tell you what, does, what they say. The Holy Ghost will confirm whether that's God or not, or the Holy Ghost will say, that ain't God. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, children, have you any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it from the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He girded his fish's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coal there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon went up and drew the net to land, full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, Come, dine, and none of the disciples thus ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Now let me help you. What would you have done if your aces that you rolled with for three years, tight, and at the worst time of your life, they abandoned ship? What would you have done? Would you have gone, went looking for them after that? But Jesus went looking for his disciples because they were still disciples to him. You see what I'm saying? Do not see your brother and sister as a brother and sister regardless of what they're going through, regardless of how they have done wrong things and have gone astray. Please look at your brother and sister as your brother and sister and as a child of God. Jesus went after them after he rose. He didn't say later for them, they abandoned me, they denied me, later for them. No, he didn't do that. He rose and he went looking for them. Build a fire and all. Let's sit down and let's eat. Remember I told you a long time ago, love flows down. Jesus knew, I love you while you was yet sinners. Nothing was going to stop him from loving, keep loving us. So because he know better, he went looking for them. He left the 99, went after the one. Because Jesus loves us. And once we surrender our life to him and we give ourselves to him, we are his children. And regardless of what we're going through, we are his children. Regardless of how we're treating them, we are his children. We are his children, no matter what. This was Peter's chance to ask for forgiveness and Jesus' opportunity to show mercy. You were Jesus, what would you have done? You were Peter, what would you have done? 
fast forward a few more frames and we land in the book of Acts. Peter and his companions had been a, been on, on the second floor room of the upper room for days. They had been praying and waiting like Jesus told them to. And then the day of Pentecost had dawned. The whole of Jerusalem was celebrating landmark Jewish feasts knowing, known as Pentecost. We read about it in Acts chapter 2 where it says in Acts chapter 2 verse number 1 and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthens and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabian. We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Check this out. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? So with all that that was going on, there's always doubters. There's always people saying, what is that all about? That ain't real God. Remember, y'all, some of y'all don't realize what some of the forefathers has gone through. Because people that were Christian 50 years ago, 60 years ago, some people thought that talking in tongues was of the devil. And people had to be persecuted for that. Like, what kind of church you belong to? That you, what, what kind of stuff is that? You into some devilish stuff. And now we see the day has come where everybody is trying to talk in tongues. Whether they really got it or they don't, they trying to talk in tongues. Verse 13 says, others mock and said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Although this time was different from another time. Although this day was miraculous beyond words. Some people thought these people were drunk. They started making fun and mocking. It was something Peter had dealt with in the courtyard that regretful night. But something changed from that night to this morning. Rather than cower and deny Jesus, Peter stood up with boldness and began preaching to everyone about what was happening. He explained the prophecy of Joel chapter 2 and its fulfillment. It was happening right in front of their eyes. This time, he did not deny Jesus. He exalted Jesus and the crowd was convicted by the message that Jesus was God in the flesh and that they had crucified him when they realized Jesus' sinless blood was on their hands they reached out for war for more and say tell us more because they realized it because 
this time, instead of Peter cowering and moving away and hiding and denying Jesus, this time he stood up. Church, where am I going with all of this? I'm telling you that we're going to make mistakes, we're going to sin, we're going to fall down, and we got to get up. But what I'm here to tell you is the things that you experience in your life that sometimes seems like setback, there are things that are setting you up for you to be victorious in the future. There are things that you have to go through to be the best version of you in Christ that you can be. And so sometimes we're going through stuff and we're putting our eyes on the thing that we're going through. And Jesus wants us to put our eyes on him because there's something to learn in the situation that you're dealing with. There's something to learn in what you're going through. But if we we are going to be concerned about the things of man rather than the things of God. We are going to let the things that we need to learn slip away and we won't be able to move forward as disciples of Jesus Christ. He denied Jesus and walked away from him. But when you mess up, you've got to own it. You gotta own your mess up and say, God, forgive me. Give me another chance to get the record straight. Give me another chance to make it right. Every time you mess up, you get on your knees and say, Jesus, I am so sorry. I am just miserable at times with myself for always messing up. Will you give me another chance to make it right? Will you give me another chance to straighten it out? Because I'm gonna get it right, Lord. I'm going to get it right. But somehow we don't want to go voice that to God and tell him we're going to get it right because we put pressure on ourselves. Don't you want to put pressure to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. Put pressure on yourself to say, I don't want to do it anymore. Because not until you tell the Lord you don't want to do it anymore can he deliver you. Because if you don't want to be delivered, you won't get delivered. If you don't want to get delivered from what you're going through, you will not get delivered. If you don't see what you're doing is wrong, it will never get away. You will never get away from it. Because if you think it's okay, you can't get around it. You don't have the conviction to call on the name of the Lord. And God is so awesome in who he is. He's omniscient. You can't go to God and say words but don't mean it. So you really got to know and be convicted in your heart that you want to be free from whatever it is that have you bound. you got to really have it in your heart and really cry out to God to say, Lord, deliver me, save me, heal me from it. That's how you get delivered from it. You will get delivered from it. You will overcome it. You will get it right one day. But you got to want that. You can't settle and keep thinking that's your lot in life. It's not. You can't think, I'll never be holy like that. I know what y'all say. I got to look this way. I got to look that way. I got to dress this way. I'll never be able to do that. Oh, you better help me today. You will do that if you want to do that. You can't do it on your own, but if you cry out to God and say, God, I am struggling, and for whatever the reason, I can't get that right, but I want to get it right, God will help you to get it right. But people stay in unholy behavior, unholy dress, and unholy lifestyle because they want to. We have to realize 
God is on our side. He won't abandon you. He will not forsake you. All he wants you to do is keep on following him. When you get down, you fall down, you make a mistake. Keep on following Jesus. He's got you. But you got to want to live righteous. You got to want to live holy. You got to want to fulfill your purpose in who you are as a child of God. You have to want that. None of us have no special inside connection. All of us are in the same place and must go the same way to get it together. We got to get that out of our mind and thinking somebody's doing good in God because they got this special. They don't have nothing special. You just have to choose this is what you want out of living for God. You just have to choose how you want to live and God will help you. All of us must come to that place to choose and God will help us. But as long as it's no big deal, as long as it's, I don't see what's wrong with this. I don't think this is that important. You will always be in that situation. And what happens sometimes, things hold on to us for so long that even when we come to the place of realizing it's no good, guess what? It's too late. You know how many people have been smoking cigarettes for a long time and you tell them, oh, you know your nicotine not good for you. You know it's going to mess you up. And they say, I know, I know, I'm going to quit one day. But they really just saying that. And when it gets worse and bad, when they get cancer and they need to stop or whatever, they just say, well... I done got this far. What can I do? I might as well just keep smoking. That's just cigarettes. I'm talking about everything across the board. If you don't want to get rid of it, it will stay with you. And when you think that you can get rid of it, you probably can't because you don't even have what it takes anymore to go to God sincerely to say, deliver me and mean it. Because God knows when you mean it and when you don't mean it. So when we see that we're stuck in some place or something for a long time, we ain't crying out sincerely. We ain't praying authentically. We're not praying effectively and righteously. We're just saying words because it sounds good. But if we go to God with a hunger and a thirst and go with a desperation, I am sure at some point in time, God will deliver us. God will take us out of that situation sooner or later. Peter stood up. He didn't deny Christ anymore. He stood up. He says, no longer am I going to be denying God. I was afraid for my life before, but I've gotten to the place to realize I'm not afraid to die anymore. That's what Peter probably realized. I'm not afraid to die anymore. If they kill me, let them kill me. But I'm not denying my Savior anymore. So he stood up and began to preach. And he preached, and then that's where we read now in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then... Watch this. Don't miss it. Then they that gladly. We got to stop doing things because, eh, let me just go with the flow because I just want to go with the flow. This is God's word. And whatever he's telling us, it's what's good for us. What you have in your mind, what your understanding is, will never be able to trump the word of God. God has. 
difficult. He's not trying to give you a hard time. Are you kidding me? He's trying to get you free and keep you free. But you just want to work yourself more in bondage. And sometimes what happens, church, is every time God makes us free and we work our way back in bondage, we get to a place where we just, as they like to say, kiss with teeth and just stay in the bondage and say, I might as well. Because every time I pray, ain't nothing happened. I just find myself back here again. Peter did not wake up that morning preparing his notes to get his sermon together so he can preach. He just heard the crowd in the streets mocking the move of God in the upper room, and he would not be silent at this time. The day of Pentecost had drawn near and had began a new day for Peter. So as much as we like to say the church started on the day of Pentecost, and it did, it also started a new day for Peter and those 120 people that was in the upper room. It was a new day for them because guess what? What they could not do before, they were empowered by the Spirit to do now. It was a new day. New day. Peter didn't stop making mistakes the day he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He still tripped and fell some more times. He didn't live a perfect life, and that's what I'm trying to get across to us tonight, that we're not going to live a perfect life. Stop letting the devil hold you in bondage and thinking that you're going to live a perfect life as a Christian, that you are not going to mess up, that you're not going to backslide, that you're not going to do things that are not right. You're going to do it, but you got to get up and keep following Jesus. Just get up and keep following Jesus. Throughout the New Testament, Peter writing is there. You can see it. He pastored churches. He wrote letters which would later be in the book of books in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit Peter received on the day of Pentecost changed his life and gave him the power to develop into a disciple of Jesus Christ. Nobody can claim they don't have what it takes to become a disciple. And all you're doing is just trying to get by as a lowly Christian. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the spirit that rose Jesus from the grave. You receive the spirit that created everything. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, everything becomes possible unto us. We don't have the excuse. It's all about the want to now. It's all about how badly you want to now. That's all it comes down to, how badly you want it. The Holy Ghost had shown up in Peter's life and things were a whole lot different because Peter was now empowered by the Spirit of God. Things happened along the way in discipleship so we could learn from it and be stronger from it. God is there with us. God is not looking, saying, let's see what he's going to do. Let's see what she's going to do. I wonder if they're going to mess up. And think when you mess up, he just get mad and throw up his hand like, see, I, I, I just can't mess with them. Every time I turn around, they're messing up. That's not God. He didn't go to the cross. He didn't sacrifice his life to turn his back on you and get frustrated because every time you mess up. That's not what God went to the cross for. Let me finish this up. Rejected by his biological mother at birth, Charlie spent much of his life, his younger years, in foster care 
and in the system. He was juggled from one house to another until he was adopted by an old couple with two older daughters. However, his perfect looking family was anything but a perfect family. Consistently striving to keep up with the Joneses, both of his parents worked many hours each day. Both of his sisters were involved in many extracurricular activities, and Charlie was often left home alone. He learned what true loneliness was. However, he, was, he would rather be alone than endure the verbal abuse he received when his parents came home. Nothing he could do or say was ever good enough. As he got older, resentment, bitterness, and loneliness caused him to search for love and acceptance. He turned to drugs, alcohol, and partying. By this time, he was not doing well in the private school he attended, so his parents sent him to public school. That is where he met Irene Logan. Irene was unlike any other person he had known. She was kind and friendly to everyone. He noticed she always brought her Bible to class, and that intrigued Charlie. With his curiosity piqued, he asked her many questions. Eventually, she invited him to church. The first service he attended was wild. People were shouting, jumping, dancing, and praising God. He had no idea people act like that in a church service. He felt like the preacher was speaking directly to him. Six months later, he received the Holy Ghost. For the first time in his life, he felt truly loved when his parents found out they were furious and grounded him from church. See how crazy people are? Charlie was so determined to live for God that he moved out and lived in his car for a while. It's all about the want to. It's all about the want to. His home was fine as far as material things. But he would rather live in his car so he can go to church and have a peace of mind than go home to be with parents that's talking bad about God and him. It's all about the want to. About a month later, Irene was tragically killed in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Charlie was devastated and confused. Why would God allow this to happen? During this time, someone told him, God wants you to reach out to others like Irene did to you. From that point forward, Charlie took advantage of every opportunity to prepare for ministry. His pastor encouraged him to attend Bible college, though he had to work two jobs, all about the want to, to pay his tuition. He developed a strong biblical foundation there. After graduation, Charlie began evangelizing. While evangelizing, he began leading outreach efforts on the nights when there was no service. One particular night at Bethel Tabernacle in Houston, Texas, while he was seeking direction from God, the Lord clearly told him, I want you to go out to the streets and to reach the ones who are broken and hurting like you were. All of what Charlie went through, God worked in his life so we, he was able to relate to those people. Charlie questioned God, but how? What do I say? The Lord told him, share your testimony with them and show them my love. You did not go through all those trials in vain. All the things you have endured, all are just opportunities for you to reach those others may not had been able to be reached if you hadn't gone through and got saved to be able to relate to them. 
Charlie's call to discipleship may have come in a different manner and through different circumstances than your call. His life was in shambles, but Jesus Christ called him out of darkness and into a marvelous light and filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. I am telling you all of that to tell you everything that goes on in our life. God sees it. God knows it. God will use it to help somebody else. But we can't get so down on ourselves. We can't own those things so much that we're just lost in our situation and not realizing that if I just keep following God, if I just keep following Jesus, no matter what anyone says, no matter what I've gone through, if I just get up and keep following Jesus, I know I messed up last night, but if I can just get it together and keep following Jesus, I know I messed up today, but if I can just get it together and keep following Jesus and not be down on myself and not allow myself to stay in that mindset that I'll never get it together. If I can just keep following Jesus. My life will never be the same. This walk in God, becoming a disciple of Christ, all it's about is just keep on following Jesus. I shared last week with you, I said, it's not about the mistake you make. It's about the the direction that you position yourself at all times. And if your position is always, I'm following Jesus, though, you're going to be all right. And all your critics and all the people and all the naysayers that are saying stuff, you don't have to worry about them because they don't know what they're doing. Because I'm telling you, people that's criticizing, people that's still treating you bad for things that you did long time ago. I, re- I, I was just talking to somebody very close to me and they were telling me this pastor's child. He had backslid and went out in the world and whatever he did and he came back into church. But of course, those people in the church, they just, he can't do nothing in the church because they watch him. Yeah, he better not put him in there to do nothing. Because you know he was out in the street doing this and he was doing that. It's the kind of stuff that we do. It's the kind of stuff we do. He, his daddy better not let him do nothing. We missed it. We missed it. We missed it. We holding stuff against people for stuff that they did a long time ago. And you don't realize now you and you hostage. Whatever you're holding against somebody, you are the hostage, not them. Because you don't realize that they're going to the Lord and the Lord is working with them every day because they're key. They're still following him. And you're worried about what they had done in the past. You hostage, not them. You need to start looking inward, not outward. We just got to keep on following Jesus. We're going to fall down and we're going to get back up. But all of it is preparing us for a great day that's coming. A great day is coming. Peter didn't know that he was going to get up one day and preach the first message to the church. He did not know that. All he knew was, I messed up so bad. I messed up so bad, I denied my master that I walked with for three and a half years. And I even just act like I didn't even know him. Can you imagine? The Bible says he went and wept bitterly because he realized that he had done something wrong. And Jesus came back and extend mercy. His mercy is new every day. Let's stand. His mercy every day, brand new. Thank God for a new day. That's another thing to be glad about when you see a new day is because, you know, that day you start off with a clean slate.
with mercy. Mercy. Clean slate of mercy. God is good to us. And we need to realize that discipleship is fellowship. We need to just keep on following Jesus. And whenever we make mistakes and we fall down and we do wrong, we got to just, we can't beat upon ourselves. But what we have to do is we have to strive to say, God, I need to change this about myself. You've got to be able to go to God and express what you need to change about yourself. You need to do that. You can't just sit and just think that, oh, this will never be changed. This will never be corrected. No, God wants to help you. We, we read the scripture this past Sunday in Luke that talked about God had come to heal. He had come to deliver. He had come to set the captives free. All of those things. He wants to heal you completely. And he wants you to live a life of liberty in him. And known even when you fall, you can get back up. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, almighty God, for your word tonight. Lord, let not this word escape us. For, Lord, we come together time and time and time again, Lord God, and we hear your word. And, Lord, we walk away. Sometimes we think it's a good word. Other times we might think it wasn't that good. We walk away from the meeting the congregating of the saints of God. And Lord, we don't do anything about it. It's just another day, another time that we come together and we don't realize that we're wasting these opportunities and moments that every time we come together, Lord God, we don't take the word and do something with it, Lord God. We're wasting opportunities. We're wasting opportunities. But God, I pray tonight that we will learn from the word of God tonight. We will be strengthened by the word of God tonight. And that we will learn from the word of God tonight. And more importantly, we will apply the word of God tonight in our life, almighty God. Jesus, oh God, have your way in this place. Have your way in our heart, Lord God. In our mind, oh God. In our understanding, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you will break every chain that binds us, Lord God. That you will loose us from every stronghold. And that you will bind upon us, Lord God, the word of God in our heart. You will bind upon us, Lord God, righteousness, Lord God. That, Lord, we will desire and we will cry out to you to live holy and to live righteous and to serve you with gladness, Lord God. Oh, Father, have your way tonight in our heart. That we will walk out of here with a different mindset, Lord God. That we will walk out of here tonight, Lord God, challenged within ourselves, Lord God, but trusting in you, relying on you, depending on you to help us to overcome and to be victorious. Father, we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are children of the Most High God. And tonight we've come to say, Lord, help us to continue following. Help us to continue seeking. Help us to continue, Lord God, in you. And not, Lord God, allow our hurt and our pain to cause us to go in a different direction, Lord God. But help us tonight, Lord God, to continue on following you, Lord God, to continue in discipleship, because discipleship is a process. Discipleship is a process, Lord, and we must continue in the process until the process is completed.
Lord. Help us tonight, Lord God, to truly stand and lift our heads and trust in you and go forward, Lord God, in the word of the Lord. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you tonight. We praise you tonight. We bless your name tonight. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus, and we thank you. There is none like you. There is none like you. There is none like you. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, as we go from this place tonight, we want your spirit to captivate us, to overwhelm us, to overshadow us, to empower us, to constrain us in righteousness, holiness, and truth, Lord God. We thank you. We honor you and we praise you for all these things we pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Invite somebody to church this Sunday. I've been praying for people that we haven't seen in a long time. Invite them to church. Bring them in. Send them a text. Visit somebody and invite them to church. It's not God's will that they stay away from the house of God. God want to reach them. And let him use you as the vessel to reach them. Don't forget our building fund. Give unto our building fund tonight. We're close and we really, really need to, uh, you know, what they say when you're running a race, when you're in the last and final stretch, you need to put everything that you can put in, lean in, put all your energy and effort because there's no sense of holding back anything at this juncture. Just give it all up. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. I need an envelope. We got any more envelopes?